The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Well, here we are again for another show. So, uh, 487. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, we continue on with wars and rumors of wars. Well, which wars rumors? We got plenty that are, are alive and well and kicking. Well, there still remains uh, Taiwan. Uh, now, come on. I mean, this is one of those things that everyone says is inevitable or what have you. But you know what? I think Biden is really showing that he's quite the fighter. And uh, China better pay attention and do well to sit this one out. Well, they're not sitting it out. In fact, I, I quite believe they're the, uh, the, the silent player uh, here. It's not just Iran uh, opening up a front over Israel. Uh, which was uh, a trigger anyone could uh, pull at any moment, and so they decided to do it uh, while the U.S. is bogged down in yet another war after uh, suddenly surrendering in Afghanistan and uh, now uh, in uh, Ukraine with Russia and all that, uh, which is quite stagnant and a stalemate and could drag on for God knows how long. And uh, then, oh boy, here comes another one uh, in the strategic area of uh, the Middle East, which is because of the Suez Canal, Persian Gulf, and all that. Uh, that, that uh, oh boy, you need that to stay open. Uh, but all this chaos erupts, and uh, it could be a problem. Uh, well, <laughs> it already is. And uh, and then, of course, you've got the hostage situation where uh, there's, uh, I don't know, nearly 30 Americans held there as well, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, although uh, there was a bit of a pause, so uh, Biden uh, visited uh, Israel and, uh, you know, promptly said, hey, we're, we're going to offer you a $14 billion package. Oh, that'll be nice. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ukraine gets an additional $60 billion. <laughs> What? Come on now. Yeah, that's that's what they're going to get. And then don't forget, don't worry, Hamas, you're going to get $100 billion. Well, now, come on, that is for humanitarian because there's a lot of people getting hurt, and that's the real shame of warfare, you know, uh, a ceasefire really needs to happen. Ceasefire? Holy shit! On only one side can fire, and the other side's just gotta do nothing? There ain't no ceasefire. That's a goddamn immediate surrender. Yeah, you see, violent rhetoric like that, it just doesn't help anybody. Well, let's hope that they put the uh, hundred million to uh, 
food and medicine and stuff like that, rather than, you know, like taking donated concrete and uh, that meant to uh, make homes and buildings and maybe more hospitals <laughs> and, uh, and, and not uh, facilitate the construction of tunnels to sneak into Israel so they can kill Jews or take donated piping meant to be for uh, plumbing uh, facilities uh, and convert them into rocket launchers to launch rockets into Israel and kill Jews. Uh, so hopefully not, but uh, yeah, yeah, it should be for the for food, medicine, and you know, building homes and hospitals and stuff. Yeah, they're gonna need more hospitals after Israel sh- blew up that one the other day. They did not. That was a lie. Sada said it. No, you didn't, Lefty. Yeah, and uh, this is one of those frustrating things because I mean, it, they had to have known when the sun comes up, you're gonna see the building still there. And that mostly a parking lot was damaged. And then several shots of videos that, uh, well, yes, it was uh, uh, not specifically Hamas, but uh, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad fired a rocket. And uh, it didn't make it out of Palestine. It crashed into a hospital. Uh, and the number of it killed 500 people. N- n- no. And it'll probably be a while before you get an actual count. And it's... I don't know, it might only be like 10 or so. Oh, come on. Well, you know, why would they fire a rocket? Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you know, uh, that's like telling Israel, uh, you know, well, you wear a skirt like that, what do you expect? So, anyway, uh, this is the frustrations, and I know, uh, you know, you see the the Israelis, uh, it's a guy chewing out Anderson Cooper. That that was disrespectful. Oh, my God. Uh, On CNN, and... um, and it's the it's the, the era we live in where nobody trusts anybody, no one believes anything, <laughs> and the uh, ever approaching uh, hazard that AI will be, where uh, eventually uh, footage will uh, look exactly real and it won't be, and that kind of thing. So everyone's paranoid, and uh, you know, and uh, after the election and, and COVID and all that stuff, uh, the institutions are shattered, and uh, it poured gasoline on conspiracy theories. And all that sort of thing. And so now you gotta, you can't just prove something. You gotta prove it four, five, six, ten times over, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then when you're in the midst of that horror, you can understand, uh, emotions just raging, uh, out of this, uh, having to constantly prove something that more times than not is blatantly obvious. Um, now it's an interesting thing. I was doing a New York City crime report with Pat Dixon. Um, and, uh, one of the stories was this woman got punched in the face on, uh, I believe it was a subway train or maybe a bus. Can't remember which. And, oh my God, why would that happen? Well, the guy said, uh, she asked the guy who punched her why he did that. And he said, because you're Jewish. Uh Oh, oh my God. You see, this is terrible. You know, we got to calm down, people. Yeah. And then there was a guy, uh, on a, I guess again, bus train. I can't remember exactly. Uh, who this guy attacked him and ripped off his turban, telling him we don't wear that in this country. Well, oh my God! You see, th- now this is the escalation of white supremacy. The attacker was black. Oh, uh, well, that just shows you how pervasive the white supremacist uh, influence is. Oh my God! Holy crap! Damn, that's just stupid. So anyway, uh, so there was those incidents, and then uh, there was another uh, story that we, the New York City Crime Report is, you know, it's about New York City. But there was this one out of Illinois, and I'm not sure if it was Chicago or not, 
but there was this six-year-old boy who was uh, butchered uh, by the landlord who attacked him and his mother and murdered this kid, uh, tried to kill the mother as well. And he said it's because uh, all Muslims must die or something along those lines. Oh, my God. Uh, huh. Yeah. And um, and it's I, I don't know. It, there were, the details were scant, but they're obviously in in coordinates with the, the Israeli Hamas war. And they figured, oh, this guy got all hot, hyped up and went over to these um, who were uh, Palestinians. So that's an added thing here. And uh, uh, Muslims. And uh, he attacked them for that very reason and killed this little boy, you know. So after it did a crime report and all that stuff, I was thinking about it. And I, I remember after 9-11, this was the great fear that something along these lines would happen. And, and the left pushed Islamophobia for their political gamesmanship and whatnot. But overall... There was nothing like this. You know, uh, there was a, a Sikh guy who's that's not m Muslim or anything, but he was wearing a turban. He got attacked, uh, punched in the face and stuff like that, which is more in line with the New York stories that we were talking about. And uh, there was, I think there were two incidents where someone pulled up to a mosque and dumped a, a pig's head on, on, you know, at their door or whatever. And then uh, there was a mosque in... California, I believe, where a window was set on fire and it did some damage in the room. And fortunately, it didn't spread or anything like that. And that really is probably the worst. Uh, there were stories of nasty comments and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, I'm sure death threats and all of that. Uh, fights and whatnot. But this, you know, a, a child uh, brutally stabbed to death. I think he stabbed him nearly 30 times. And apparently because the guy is upset about the Israel-Hamas war. And uh, but why wouldn't this happen uh, after 9-11? Uh, At least certainly immediately after it or something like that. And I think people are very different now after the insanity of the past 10, 15 years. You know, certainly uh, the elections and uh, just naked corruption before you and no punishment just a constant compounding uh, of that sort of thing and then COVID you know and then come to find out you're blatantly lied to all the time nobody trusts each other uh, again conspiracy theories have uh, gasoline poured on their fires uh, and now you're going to see a lot of this and we've had all the riots and whatnot and one side gets punished and the other side doesn't <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, and then right now you've had uh, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas rallies in the capital, uh, stormed into it, uh, kind of like an insurrection. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, nothing will happen. You got people uh, going to jail for 20 years, even though they weren't there on January 6th, but they posted about it on Facebook or some such. Uh, you've got a guy for doing an anti-Hillary meme uh, going to have to do seven months in prison. Um, and then, that, you know, I, I, you can't do that. That doesn't take away from the guilt of this man who went in there and grabbed a little boy and doing this guy's a piece of shit. I don't care that he's like 71 years old or whatever. Uh, he'll die in prison. Sure. Uh, you, you need death penalty for that. 
Um, but it's, it's like there's plenty of people of the attitude and whatnot didn't really act on it back then. But now they do. And I just can't help but think that the after effect of the, the, the zeitgeist of our terrible times um, has had quite the influence of breaking down sanity. Scary, I know. Happy Halloween and all that, but um, yeah, it's where we are, I suspect. Meanwhile, there are some positive signs here and there. Uh, Victoria's Secret suddenly learned that, uh, well, sexy underwear should be modeled by sexy women. Oh, that's just, uh, that's just outrageous. They had made such progress. They got woke and went broke. They don't oh, like so being broke. They're in the business of selling pennies for money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pennies for money. Yeah, yeah. Good point, Red. And uh, advertising them on the asses of beautiful women. That makes sense. That's a good business model. You're damn right. And uh, I prefer my women to be female. Oh, good lord. I, oh my god. Stick around, folks. More Nelson Show coming your way. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do. And you want to hear it in the best way possible. So why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio? Key features include eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk. Noise-reducing design with a lifetime warranty. So head over to TweakedAudio.com and use discount code Mr. Nelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping. That's Mr. Nelson. M-R-N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's not case-sensitive, but it is all one word. That's TweakedAudio.com. Was Anna Eklund possessed by a demon? Perhaps, but maybe not. The story of Anna Eklund is not an easy one to come by, especially since it is considered the most famous exorcism story in the United States. There are different varying accounts to the whole thing, and very few books have been published about it. One of these books, however, is entitled Be Gone Satan, and it was written by Father Carl Vogel approximately 80 years ago or so. It was translated into English by Reverend Celestine Capster and published in approximately 1973. Anna's story is not a simple one. It has been briefly mentioned in multiple dictionaries or encyclopedias dealing with the demonic. Anna was possessed by multiple diabolical entities. However, there were also additional entities which resided within her which were at one time human. Namely, the spirit of her father, Jacob Eckler, and her aunt, as well as her father's mistress, Mina. Apparently, Judas Iscariot from the Bible was also one of the possessing spirits of Anna Eckler. Anna was born in 1882, but by the age of 14, she had already begun to have severe, strong, presented symptoms of possession, such as an intense aversion to anything holy or sacred, including blessed objects or images. She was unable to enter a church because of some unseen force, and she had almost an obsessive interest in depraved and disturbing sexual acts. 
Many people attribute this to the fact that they truly believe that Jacob was successful in his attempts of an incestuous relationship with his daughter, and these actions imprinted themselves upon her. But this cannot be proven. It is believed that by the time she was 26 years old, Anna had become completely and totally possessed. Interestingly enough, a monk by the name of Father Theophilus Resinger from Wisconsin had successfully completed an exorcism on June 18th, 1912, but it was ultimately unsuccessful, so I don't know how it could be successfully completed if it was unsuccessful, due to the fact that both her father Jacob and her aunt and his mistress Mina, or maybe they were one and the same, I don't know, had begun to place curses upon Anna. They would curse the spices in the food which was given to Anna, and around the community where they lived, while they were alive, it was whispered quietly that Mina was actually a practicing witch with knowledge of the black arts. During these alleged curses, the two of them actually called upon assistance from the devil so that Anna could specifically suffer the torment of being repossessed again. Because they knew that according to the Bible, if a demon is expelled, but for whatever reason allowed to return, he will return with seven stronger than him. And that case of possession will be significantly harder, almost impossible, to successfully correct via exorcism. A full two decades later, Father Theophilus began the process again. This is actually where the book Begone Satan opens. And you read about the verbal exchange between Father Theophilus and a friend of his, Father Joseph Steiger who was a parish priest in the town where this possession is now known for, Erling, Iowa. Father Theophilus had originally hoped that he could remove Anna from her hometown and perform these rituals elsewhere. Then it would be unknown and it could go on in complete discretion. But starting from the moment that the opening prayers were recited, this was proven to be anything but the case. It was agreed upon that a nearby convent would be used maintained by Franciscan nuns provided that the Mother Superior would sign off on it, which she did. Once Anna had been transported to this location, strange occurrences began almost instantly. Some of the nuns there had attempted to give Anna food in which, as was their custom, they had already blessed. It was like magic, because from that day forward, if anyone had attempted to bless any of Anna's food, she would know of it immediately and refuse to eat. She would hiss like a cat and show great aversion to this food, and therefore only unblessed food was prepared for her. So apparently, once again, Anna was possessed by quite a few demons, and of course, uh, the spirits of her sick, disgusting father, uh, his mistress, and perhaps her Aunt Mina, I don't know. Uh, and then uh, Lucifer himself apparently showed up, along with Beelzebub, who I always thought was the same guy, but, you know, whatever. And then, of course, Judas, along with a bunch of many lesser demons that no one really cares to know. Judas, it was revealed, was only there because it was his assignment to tempt Anna into committing the unforgivable act of suicide. Unfortunately, due to his history, it is said in the hierarchy of hell Judas Iscariot would be the equivalent to the patron demon of suicides. Okay. Jacob, the girl's father, was condemned to hell because he cursed his daughter to be defiled by demons because she would not commit incest with him. We do not know if he was successful, but once in hell, the devil gladly allowed Jacob to continue his molestation of his daughter. 
despite the fact that he was no longer among the living. Mina, Jacob's mistress, was condemned to hell because she had led a prolonged immoral life with Jacob, while his wife was still alive. Well, I think Jacob did something far worse, but... Also, she had committed a child murder. Oh, okay, well... <laughs> she had killed four children in her lifetime. Good lord. Uh, while this cannot be confirmed, oh, it is believed that these children were her own, and that they were killed during the process of abortion. Well, all right. Uh, out of the entire group, <laughs> it was claimed that Mina and Judas were the worst offenders against the Blessed Sacrament, as they were constantly attempting to somehow destroy or defile. To manipulate or mutilate it would represent everything they had attempted to do in life, and would be in league with the diabolical activity of attempting to taint anything holy. Yeah, you know, Judas committed suicide because he was so overcome with guilt and grief over betraying Jesus, so, uh... Are you sure this isn't someone else named Judas? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, well... Well, anyway, some of the more intense paranormal phenomena that occurred during this 23-day-long exorcism were Anna exhibiting inhuman strength. And required sometimes up to six athletic nuns to hold her down. Anna levitated completely off the ground on more than one occasion. Anna leapt from her bed in the lying down position onto the wall above the door where she held on and maintained her position of crouching, apparently defying gravity while holding on to the side of a wall. While Anna was unconscious, voices would talk, blaspheme, and verbally assault everyone present but not through Anna's mouth. They came from her throat, but her lips never moved. She vomited, spit, drooled, urinated, and defecated in human amounts and quantities of solids and fluids. It was reported that Anna was urinating buckets worth of liquid, and this is at a time where she was not eating hardly anything at all daily. She would vomit items such as tobacco leaves and other debris which resembled spices. Her head physically elongated and swelled at certain times. Her body also seemed as if it would expand to the point of severe bloating to where it appeared that Anna was almost double her normal size, and then it would retract in size and return to normal. Her lips, reportedly on some occasions, grew to the size of hands. Well, today plastic surgeons do that all the time. Well, whatever, she exhibited signs of possessed gravity, to the point that while lying in bed, she became so heavy that the bed sank, and the iron bed frame was considerably thick. She spoke many languages in which she did not know. She displayed numerous instances in which she had hidden knowledge, or knowledge, of the unknown. Anna would verbally assault the nuns present, and the priests present, by reciting sins they had committed in their childhoods. She predicted that an almost fatal car accident would strike Father Steiger, and that it was a warning for him to walk away from the exorcism and to rescind his invitation to the priests. There were inhuman and unbearable smells that would constantly assault the senses of all those present. Hordes of flies and mosquitoes would suddenly manifest and then disappear just as quickly. Most importantly, this is the only case of possession where the priest had a lucid, vivid, waking vision with his sixth sense during the exorcism. 
Without him stopping the exorcism for the last half hour or so of the final exorcism, Father Theophilus physically saw both Lucifer and Beelzebub standing in the corner, confined there. The room was completely set aflame in this vision, and Lucifer described as being extremely tall, with matted black fur and his lower hooved body, and wearing a crown, was seething with rage at Father Theophilus, because he was confined by God's law to be unable to cause physical harm to a person. Beelzebub was also there, as his second-in-command, also seething in rage, but not quite as vocal. Eventually, Father Risingsair was successful in the exorcism, and Eklid only exhibited milder and quite manageable possessions after it. <laughs> I guess a few of those lesser demons hung around, you know. I don't really know how that works, but... Um... Anyway, it turns out the name Anna Eklund was merely a pseudonym. Her real name was Emma Schmidt. But which Emma Schmidt, people aren't quite certain. Uh, one Emma Schmidt died in 1941 at the age of 59, while the other one lived on to 1964 and died at age 81. So, yeah, did any of this happen at all? It's not quite certain. And, and if it did, was this woman possessed by multiple demons? Or was she just driven insane by the horrific, disgusting treatment from her own father? Perhaps, but maybe not. time ago in a little town called Sleepy Hollow, there was a school teacher named Ichabod Crane. Now Ichabod was a tall, skinny man who was quick to use a ruler on naughty scholars. Ichabod didn't live in the town of Sleepy Hollow. To get to his house, he had to ride his skinny old horse through the woods. He had heard stories that there was some kind of a ghost that prowled through the woods. Being a learned man, he put no stock in such tales. One night, Ichabod stayed in town very late at a party. As the evening wore on after lots of food and lots of cider, the folks started telling ghost stories, and they got around to talking about the ghost in the woods outside of town. The story was that the ghost was a rider on a big horse that actually snorted flames and smoke, and the rider, he was a huge man who had no head. Finally, it got to be very late, and it was time to go home. Now, old Ichabod wasn't exactly scared, but then again, he wasn't too keen on riding through those woods this late at night. Well, he got on his skinny old horse and started off for home. As he rode through the woods, the full moon shone with an eerie light, making all kinds of spooky shadows. An owl hooting in the distance didn't make him feel any better, so he urged his old horse to go a little faster. Was it a dog? Maybe a wolf? 
suddenly he caught a glimpse of a strange orange light, and it was coming straight toward him. Now Ichabod was terrified. He tried to make his old horse go faster, but the strange orange light was coming closer and closer. Could it be? Yes, it was a rider on a horse. The horse seemed to breathe smoke and flames, and now the schoolmaster could see better. The horseman had no head. In fact, the rider's head was carried before him on the saddle, and he was laughing. The craziest laugh you've ever heard. The headless horseman was coming very close to Ichabod now. He could feel the heat from the horse's fiery breath. They raced through the woods. The goblin was laughing. Ichabod was screaming. It was some wild scene as they raced along the little trail that led to a little bridge near the church. Just as they came to the bridge, the headless horseman suddenly stopped. His horse reared up. And what happened next is the scariest part of the story. The goblin rose in his stirrups and threw his head straight at Ichabod. The next day, Ichabod's old horse was found near his master's gate, but the saddle was missing. Later on, down by the old wooden bridge, they found Ichabod's hat, and close beside it. A shattered pumpkin. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Uh, Dr. Turgid? Yeah, what, what is it? Well, I just, I mean, I, I was... Bitten by those bugs, too. Uh, yeah, I know. I... Oh. Oh, shit. All right, you ready, Edgar? Ready, he says. I mean, yeah, sure. How do you get yourself ready to go fight monsters, you know? Edgar. Yeah, yeah. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Whoa, what the hell? Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Come on. Come on. What? What? What's going on? Uh, the, the baby maggots, they're, they're not babies no more. They done grown up to a full swamp. happened there. I mean, you know, that now you, I didn't approve of, of her lifestyle, you know. But goodness me, that's just no way to go. You know, it's oh, just well, uh, awful yeah, what those, yeah, those um, monsters uh, and, and yeah. did to her. Yeah, it's, um, it's all very sad, that's true. I don't know. You think maybe God did that to her? Because, you know, you're reading the Bible and you, you would have, like, like swarms of locusts and whatnot, and uh, because she was always prancing around half-naked, that probably, you know, Got God mad, and so he just sent a swarm of bugs to eat her. Oh my God, Billy! No, just no, Billy! What? What? Just God! You're supposed to be respectful. Well, she wouldn't, Billy. Damn it! Oh my goodness! Oh no! What's wrong now? Oh, my heart can't 
take it. It just can't. Uh, everyone take it easy. I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll dash up to the bridge to see what's I going know. on. What if there's the big snake again? I, I don't know, Billy. Let's get inside. Mayday. 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 All tech code. Zero ten. Zero ten. Definitely. Zero. Uh, <coughs> oh. Oh, Miss, Miss Nage, uh, you, you startled me a bit. Yeah, well, no one startled me. The alarm, what's going on? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, it, it must be from one of the other decks. I don't know who tripped it. Hildebridge, Hildebridge. Oh, um, uh... Sam, go ahead. Sarah, listen, uh, we've got another swarm on our hands. Another swarm? But, but how? Well, I'll explain it when I get up there, but in the meantime, uh, they're contained for the moment... But, of course, they're going to eat their way out of there, so uh, we're going to need the ship to turn back into the storm in the hopes that it'll clean them off like it did the last one. Oh, my God. I, I understood, Sam. Be be careful. Another swamp, I mean, they, well, they must have been a few stragglers that uh, got trapped in some compartments of the of the ship, and they've only just now discovered them. Yeah, I guess, but Sam's right. We, we've got to turn the ship back into the storm. Back into the storm? I... No, absolutely not. You have been listening to The Cruise. Written, performed, and produced by me, Douglas Nelson. Any and all music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod and other public domain and copyright-free sources. The views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson Show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked. They got woke and went broke. They don't like being broke. They're in the business of selling pennies for money. 